It's always so startling when you switch uh, Discord audio over to your fancy microphone because it's like you go from being like a tiny little voice in, in my ear to as though you were standing right behind me and about to strike. I'm always about to strike, August. I know. Like a goddamn snake. Mm-hmm. Snakes don't have arms. Why would I need to strike with my arms? I got my mouth and my fangies, my little tooths. Mm, don't like that. tuning into Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. I am your host. My name is Brian. I use he, him pronouns. You can find me on the internet, uh, on Twitter, at RoomwarePod, and you can find the podcast on Twitter as well, at Gay Space Pod. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, August. Hello, I'm August. You can find me on Twitter at Herpidora, and my pronouns are they, them. Uh, so, this week we have no guests, we'll probably not have guests for a hot minute, uh, we've got some very important lore episodes coming up, so it's just gonna be me and August, uh, riding, riding this shit into oblivion, uh, speaking of oblivion, fuck, it's been a week, um, yep, Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I'm gonna, this is, this next section is from a parody, uh, script for a comedy that I am writing, but, uh, wouldn't it be great if a vast majority of a political party died? It says here on the script of a parody that I wrote. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm planning on going to Yankee Candle and buying every black candle in the store, but I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I love the, like, basic mall goth uh, vibe of going to Yankee Candle to acquire your black candles for <laughs> rituals. They smell good. I don't have to add <laughs> any essential oils. They all already stink nice. <laughs> oh, it's been it's been great to see the Internet all come together around the idea of of like willing something to happen as badly as they possibly can. Um, so August, have you watched any, uh, any cartoons lately? Um, my brain has completely quit. Uh, we've basically just been dealing with having a new puppy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like we watched something recently, but I don't remember what it was. So it must not have left that much of an impression on me. Although, like, a bunch of the YouTube channels that we've been following have started, like, Halloween, October sort of stuff, so everything's all spooky. So that's mm-hmm. fun. Um, let's see, what have I been watching? I know I started watching something recently, I can't remember. I know I've been just, like, deep in the whole of YouTube stuff. Uh, there's a particular YouTuber... 
that I like. Oh, who who was I was going to give a shout out? Oh, oh, oh. I've been, um, have you ever seen a, a YouTube channel called Billium? Uh, that rings a bell. What is usually... He reviews, like, weird early 2000s toys and nostalgia oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I think Crystal uh, enjoys his stuff. Uh, he's pretty good. I like him. Uh, he just recently did a thing on... He did um, one on some weird dinosaur documentary thing that was very, very good. And recently he did, he's been doing, like, this series on, like, LCD screen interactive pet things oh my so he god did, like tamagotchis and digimon and he did scanners and he did um cube world and then did, the most recent one he did was called like uh pixel chick and it was actually very interesting because like instead of it just being like a flat lcd screen the lcd screen is like transparent and set in a little 3d stage and she like moves around in the little stage and like can interact with the objects air quotes hmm yeah it's very interesting um so i've been been on that uh outside of that just you know vibing and by vibing i mean drinking Uh, how about them sunbeams how about them like we went to the fucking listen we went to the mountain. We didn't get to the top of the mountain, but we got at least to the mountain this last season. So yeah. Um. So I'm feeling good about this season. Yeah. How are we doing? I haven't actually checked the uh, rankings. We are in the middle of the wild low, which okay puts us. Yeah, I mean, approximately in the middle of the pack in general. It looks like so. Mm, we're like eleven wins behind the spies this season. Yeah. I don't think we're pulling this back. I don't know. It's, oh, only, no. it's only Wednesday. Who knows? <laughs> Did you see that the fucking pitching machine got shelled somehow? Yeah, I saw that. God damn. The tacos cannot catch a break. Jesus. They really cannot. Did any of their pitchers get unshelled? I, I don't know. They had to have because there's no way they could be. They have a losing record at this point. I mean, it is the tacos, but... Yeah. Uh, Have you seen... Uh, shout out to Riley Hopkins, uh, friend of the pod... Friend of our... Not this... Fr- friend of ours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Have you seen Riley's, uh, like, daily hot takes on Blaseball? Like, with the Blaseball News Network? What? No. Yeah, they're on their Twitter. Uh, check them out later. They're great. Nice. That's a cartoon I've been watching. Okay. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so, I guess, unless there's, there's not, oh, 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 this isn't Steven Universe news, but goddamn am I excited for it. So, uh, just today it got announced that um, HBO Max is going to green, is green lighting um, an uh, animated series adaptation of Lumberjanes, Noel Stevenson's comic book. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so fucking stoked for that because, like, okay, so Steven Universe had to work the gay in, okay? Even She-Ra, which is very gay, had to work the gay in, you know? You mm-hmm. have to massage the gay into, like, most mainstream cartoons, right? But this is HBO Max putting, a, a, a believably, a great deal of money into a series that was from the jump 
no like mask off like very fucking queer and i'm very excited to see it yeah i'm pretty uh pretty excited even though i only ever read like the first volume of lumberjanes uh i recall it being very entertaining so yeah i mean i don't know exactly how i don't care if they stick to the comic book i'm sure there's tons of stories they can tell that aren't the exact ones from the comic but mm-hmm. like knowing that that's the energy that's getting brought in because that's why that's one of the reasons why it was like when kind of around season four of Shira, people were talking about how it was going to end up being queer baiting and i'm like have you seen this director's other work like because <laughs> uh i have some news for you yeah now, given it could have been studio interference, there was other things that would happen. But I wouldn't. I wasn't going to think that Noel Stevenson was going to willfully queer bait th- her audience. Yeah. So. So. Uh, I wish Rebecca Sugar would get into a new series. Frankly. To, um. In I would love. Oh, sorry. In quasi similar news, uh, mm-hmm. evidently Netflix Netflix is picking up uh, season two of Bee and Puppy Cat. <gasps> Sweet. Uh, that first season is interesting. Isn't the isn't the second season on Verve already? I don't know. Like uh, the blurb I saw seemed to indicate that like Netflix was optioning more whatever was going oh, on. Oh, so. so maybe they're they're picking up season two and then they're 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 like funding season three or something. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to go back and uh, dig deeper, but I did just see that casually uh, either yesterday or today, so. Yeah, that is a very interesting show that I I am in, I would like to see how they get to, like, they evolve into something that would be more serialized. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because they were kind of episodic, and then it obviously was, like, hinting at a bigger backstory, um, there's also some new show on sci-fi called, like, Magical Girl something another. Sci-fi Magical Girl. Okay. Yeah, Magical Girl Friendship Squad. Uh, it seems interesting. All I know is that the person who did the logo for season one of The Room Where It Happened worked on background art for it, apparently. Oh, neat. Yeah, which is probably why they weren't available to do the art for season two. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. Um, okay, well, I guess it, now, I guess, is there anything? Do we, can we, should we get into the episodes? Uh, yeah, let's, let's get into the episodes. Cool, cool. All right. So our episodes for this week are episodes 22, Steven and the Stevens, 23, Monster Buddies, and 24, An Indirect Kiss. Uh, Let's get kicked off with Steven and the Stevens. Um, Steven needs a musical partner for an upcoming show and uses a time travel device to recruit the perfect bandmate himself. Which, you know what? That's pretty, that's pretty there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, That's the show. That's the show. Yeah. Nailed it. Gotten one. The episodes begin with the Jims and uh, Steven in the ocean shrine, or no, the sea shrine, sorry, uh, looking at the hourglass, or looking for the, god, jeez, I cannot read today. I'm going to start over. The beginning, <laughs> the, 
The episode begins with the Jims and Steven in the sea shrine looking for the hourglass. Uh, Steven picks out a smaller hourglass that he's very enamored with. Pearl tells him that the, the actual hourglass wouldn't be so small and insignificant. It'd be super big and kick ass. And she looks at this cool one. Garnet's like, nah, it's going to be the biggest one. It looks at this big chungus of a fucking hourglass. Um... Pearl is wondering how they're going to get it out of there when uh, Amethyst is like, I'm making the call, and grabs like a weird shaped hourglass. Uh, the whole temple just starts coming the fuck apart. It begins flooding because they're under the ocean. Uh, Steven runs back to grab the tiny one that he wanted. Um, mostly because Amethyst is taking hers. He, he snatches it, uh, gets pulled back to the pad just in time uh, for the gems to teleport into the temple. Uh, they are all very soaking wet. Pearl admonishes Amethyst, uh, about being so impulsive, is informed that she has a lobster on her butt. Uh, Steven realizes that it's time to practice for Beachapalooza, uh, and runs out of the house before politely letting a crab out. Um, and... Uh, goes to the car wash uh, where Greg and Yellowfin, uh, Onion's dad, are looking at a boat that is, like, stuck in the car wash. And Steven's like, what's up? And he's like, ah, the boat's stuck. He's like, why does the boat need to be car wash? Uh, no one ever addresses this question. Uh, Greg is like, I can't help you practice for Beachapalooza, my dude. Uh, it is, uh, I'm sorry, I've got to get this taken care of. Steven is is disappointed. Uh, but heads off. He's very upset about the boat, uh, and he says out loud, I wish that I could tell Dad uh, to not deal with that stupid boat, and then he time travels to just before uh, Yellowtail is about to back his boat in. He runs up telling Greg that the boat is, quote, too fat to fit into the uh, the car wash. Uh, Greg stops it, and he's like, oh, thanks, Steven. Uh, Yellowtail gets out of his truck, I guess forgets to put his truck in park for some fucking reason. The boat uh, and the truck pull f or roll forward, hitting uh, an electric post that knocks over the electric lines that fall into the car wash and burn the fucking car wash to the goddamn ground. Um, Steven quickly goes back in time to stop himself from, from stopping Greg, uh, explains the situation. Uh, sl sl I... Stephen 1 uh, laments to Stephen 2 that they're not going to be able to do Beachapalooza. And Stephen 2 is like, wait, or no, wait, Stephen 1, fuck. This has got confusing way quicker than I intended it to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't write down any denotation of the Stevens. Anyways, uh, the eldest of the Stevens is like, hey, we could start a band together, but who are we going to get to play the other instruments? The answer is time travel, and they get more Stevens. Uh, hard cut to Steven, 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 and Steven, all playing an original song called uh, Steven and the Stevens, and a band called Steven and the Stevens. It's like a 50s rock vibe. Um, could be at the beginning of a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, probably, uh, where Steven talks about forming a band with himself. Uh, it goes really well. They determine that the band leader should be the the original Steven, which is what we will refer to as Steven 1. Steven 1 then labels the Steven Steven 2, 3, and 4, uh, and states that two, Steven 2 is the smart one, 3 is the funny one, 4 is the sensitive one, and Steven 1 declares himself the handsome one while combing his hair into a pompadour. Um... 
then things just immediately go to shit. Stephen 4 is trying to be funny, and Stephen 3 is trying to be smart. Uh, Stephen 2 is trying to be sensitive. Uh, Stephen 1 calls himself handsome, and he upsets the other Stevens because they think that he's calling them ugly uh, or not handsome. And Stephen 1 gets very frustrated. He's like, all right, let's take five, guys. He goes out and he laments to a seagull, I believe. Or is it lion? It's lion, not a seagull. Uh... <laughs> Uh, about how annoying he finds himself. And then he hears some, like, punk music coming from the inside. He's like, hey, what is this garbage? And they're like, we kicked you out of the band, old man. <laughs> you don't understand the the rock that's in our heart. We wrote this song about you suck. And Amethyst is now playing the drums because she's down for whatever. Um, Steven, one, uses the time machine to go back in time to try and stop himself from forming the band but the other stevens also have a time thingy uh time hopping hijinks ensue they jump back to the very first episode of steven universe um and then they go to the the sea temple to try and stop himself from picking up the time thingy uh steven one threatens original steven um the other three Stevens show up. It's a big fucking fight. Uh, there's there's probably like 30 fucking Stevens. They're all basically fist fighting each other. Uh, Steven one pushes Steven original down, uh, scares him because he's acting so maniacal, realizes what have I become? Power has corrupted me ultimately and then smashes the hourglass, uh, which destroys all of the alternate timeline Stevens who all uh, melt into sand um and then uh after uh basically steven one says to original steven stay gold pony boy uh he melts to we hard cut to steven and the crystal gems uh singing a song about watching yourself dive after creating an alternate timeline the end yeah uh <laughs> holy fuck this episode that that sure holy shit that sure was an episode. It was such an episode. <laughs> For um, one, I'm going to say up top, these are like three banger fucking episodes, I feel like. They're really good. Yeah, these are like, you can feel the team is like, I feel like you can feel the team hitting their stride about how they want to tell stories and pacing and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the cold open to this episode with everybody in the Sea Temple. Because I feel like everyone's personalities get demonstrated really well. There's lots of chemistry. They're bouncing off of each other really good. I just feel like the whole the whole opening sec- sequence is really, really good here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, getting some really heavy uh, Last Crusade vibes, uh, which then proved to be right. Um, <laughs> it's true. Also, the... Uh, the background art for the temple mm-hmm. is fucking gorgeous it is ugh. the detail that they put into backgrounds is just fucking amazing um i love this good sweet boy who's like you're coming home with me new friend mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the hourglass i it's, wonder the hourglass is a piece of technology not like a gym i think right i mean I would assume so. Okay. Yeah, because like, it doesn't seem... Because, like, if a gym had this level of power, d- 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 one of these sides would have won that war in about four seconds. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I suspect strongly yeah. it's 
a piece of technology the same way that like the desert glass was a piece of technology? I think the des- the desert glass I think was just a corrupted gym. Was it? I'm pretty sure. Huh. Okay. Never mind um, then. But I think in Ow. the next episode, like the shooting star, I think that's just a piece of stuff. That's like a weapon. Mm-hmm. Not like a not like a thing, not a person. Um. Yeah, and I thought it was uh, fairly on brand for Amethyst to choose the really wonky looking one and for Steven to choose the little guy. It's true. And Amethyst just being like, I'm making the call. It's like, yeah, that's good. Amethyst getting into it. She has literally zero impulse control. Is none. Absolutely none. Um I liked that I wrote in <laughs> I wrote in here as like a shout out to all the FTL fans. Steven's so polite to Daddy Crab. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah, I I did note that uh that little bit was incredibly fucking adorable. It's just mm-hmm. The the general way that Steven treats other things is just very cute and very indicative of his worldview about how, like, everything and everyone is deserving of compassion and kindness. Right. Like, he is, unless something, like, if he is just in his his normal state if you know nothing because occasionally he gets upset or frustrated obviously yeah he's in a lot of extreme circumstances but like in his just normal state he's just like a knight he's he's a good kid who is just like who's not being polite because people have told him to be polite or that's how he's supposed to be he just like is he just is good yeah and a nice kid i want good things to happen to him and i know nothing will (laughs) yeah um, I, I need to look up to see if Yellowtail is literally the same voice actor as Onion. Onion gets a voice actor? Oh, yeah, Onion speaks in Mimimis like, uh, like Yellowtail does. Oh. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we've heard Onion talk did, yet. I feel like maybe he did when, uh, in Onion Trade, when he like was throwing the sandwich out to sea and then Yellowtail came back for two seconds. Oh yeah, maybe they're like me 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 it at each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um the Is it weird that Steven just keeps calling the boat fat? Okay. So I did write something down about that too. Um I do think it's charming and I think that it goes kind of back to uh, something that we've st- seen Steven do before, like even just this episode with the crab, he tends to personify things and, you know, attribute like human or humanoid characteristics to things that aren't necessarily humanoid. Um, really, he does that with Lion, even though I'm of the opinion that Lion is certainly a sentient creature. Uh, but, you know, Steven personifies him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he treated the crab as if the crab were a house guest. He talked, you know, he talked sweetly to the 
I'm going to call it a time turner because it looks like a fucking time turner. I keep trying to call it a time turner too, so don't worry. Yeah, like he he talks sweetly to the time turner when he picks it up, that kind of thing. Like Stephen has a, a history of doing that, and like yeah, it's a little weird, but I think it stems from his tendency to just personify things. I think that I think that's a good point. Uh, I when he like. So when he does the first time jump and he runs up to Greg and is like, fat, 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 right? Yeah. That, is that a reference? I feel like this is a reference to the producers scene. I've never seen the producers. Oh, oh. So, um, uh, Bialstock, uh, like when, uh, or no, when Bloom and Bialstock are like arguing in their very first scene, um, there, there's like, uh, there's like a scene where, uh, Bloom like. D does a similar thing and i think i think this might be a slight reference to that i could just be wrong i might be just reaching real hard here i don't um, know i don't even know who those characters are i presume one of them's played by matthew broderick in the movie uh bloom is matthew broderick uh bialstock is the other guy okay yeah um <laughs> my next note after that immediately is butterfly effect the animated series <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I hate that you're not wrong <laughs> um but yeah the 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 like steven talking to steven like this this part is just where they're like we're just gonna break the dial off on the wacky knob like it's it, it's really good and has seems seemingly has like a firm understanding of its own dumb time travel rules Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling. Um, so, yeah. uh, it's pretty, like, I like it. I just, from here, like, the little band, like, the song is very cute and catchy. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I feel like this is just, th this was, like, an excuse to just, like, let Zach go wild in the booth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um because you know he does he does all those hard he does a really good job on just like that song and being his own backup singers yeah yeah um, i just wrote this song is a bop yeah bop worthy for sure um, um oh, i go on, sorry. i really enjoy uh steven's self-confidence and his good body image mm -hmm. um especially for a character who is consistently portrayed as a little husky like you know never once does he seem to ever have body image issues and honestly the part where uh he's going fat 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 at greg and greg goes rude <laughs> is literally the first thing that i can remember encountering in this series that could come even close to like internalized fat phobia because being fat is just a non-value judgment and so greg saying that it's rude to say that mm. you know is the only thing that indicates that fat phobia exists in this universe so far right and decidedly feels like i like that it feels like it's just a joke we all know it's a joke that sort of thing mm -hmm. um so that was nice that it wasn't like an intrinsic thing yeah, and honestly, I don't have uh, many more notes until the very end. Yeah. So um, Ashlyn, by the way, informed me. Shout out to Ashlyn. Um, so Stephen is right now thirteen. I got my numbers all fucking wrong. 
So Stephen was 12 in So Many Birthdays turns 13, and in his next birthday episode will be turning 14. So I was wrong. Thank you for correcting me, Ashlyn. I don't think it doesn't change much of our reading, to be perfectly honest. But mm-hmm. um, but th- I, I do appreciate Ashlyn uh, helping me fact check things. Um, let's see. I like seeing this kind of weird spiral of like Steven dealing with himself. Like it's setting him up like it, it starts like. You're like, wow, Steven's getting real. Like, Steven, you kind of forget that Steven's not like this because the episode is, like, engaging in the way that it's trying to tell this pretty frenetic story Mm -hmm. until, like, Steven 1 interacts with original timeline Steven. You're like, oh, my God, what happened to this kid? Um, And I feel like it's the time travel is corrupting Steven. Yeah, but I did think it was this uh, this kind of comes in two parts. I think that like from a storytelling standpoint this particular thing was meant to show us that Stephen does have the capacity for being mean mm-hmm. like genuinely mean um and like he's not just as as much as he is the perfect good boy he's not just the perfect good boy right um but also i think like but also it's I feel like in universe it's kind of indicative about how like we keep coming back to Steven has a pretty good understanding and emotional awareness of people around him, but has consistently not been able to do that with himself. And so when he's stuck in an echo chamber with just himself, it kind of makes sense that things would fall apart pretty quickly. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's something I kind of thought of. Uh, but yeah, it, it definitely feels sort of like that Stephen, w- what Stephen's like when he's alone with himself, you know, is a much different Stephen than the Stephen he tries to be for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the punk song. It's got yes. like a, a, a good 80s uh, New England hardcore vibe to it. Uh, did you catch the lyrics? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen is a mini zucchini. Yes. Um, it's very good. It's real good. Um, so now we come to the final fight. Uh, just, just wackadoo shit. I love it. Oh my um, god. I wrote here, Rick and Morty is a fucking Steven Universe rip- but ripoff. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. We gotta, uh, we gotta get to, the, we gotta get to the time machine, Rick or Steven. <laughs> Oh my god. I can not do a good more, uh, Rick impression. Um, no, it's fine. Nobody should. It's true. Um, I like... It's just, like, good... It, it, there's not, like, a lot of things to take notes about uh, other than yeah. just, like, recounting what happens, but, like, it's good character interaction. Like, Stephen one coming to the realization that he's really fucked up. Like, what is this? I don't want to be... Th- like, coming to the realization, like, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be a mean shitty mm-hmm. person um and the only way to do that is to unmake myself yeah um, um yeah my next note is in all caps jesus christ this is horrifying um because it is yeah just all these stevens graphically melting this yeah. is it this is like fucking uh third impact motherfucking shit going on yeah uh-huh <laughs> um 
Yeah, it's it's horrifying, not just from the perspective of Stephen Prime, who is having to watch bunches and bunches of himself like wither and dissolve and melt away into dust. But also, you know that this is a conscious decision that Stephen made, knowing that something like this was bound to happen. Right. Like, Jesus. Jesus. It's just, it's so much. It's so goddamn much. Stephen, one, kissing original Stephen on the cheek, being like, stay gold, pony boy. Yeah. (laughs) Dissolving in the dust. Like, oh my god. Oh my god. Then a hard cut to the little song that is also horrifying. My next note was, Jesus Christ, this song is horrifying, in all caps. (laughs) I couldn't stop, like, when I forgot, like, I knew it was, I knew what the song was about, right? But I hadn't really listened to the song very recently. And then I heard it last night when I, like, because I watch every episode, I watch them twice, you know, once just kind of go through and then once with notes. And when I watched it the first time last night, I just fucking died. I had to pause the, the HBO Max. It was just, like, I was cackling because, like, my brain couldn't process how fucked up the thing I just watched was. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, it was a uh, lot. Although, like, the the visuals uh, kind of harken back to the, the whole uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoon ca- kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, with the, the musical montage. I'm thinking specifically of, like, Josie and the Pussycats kind of thing. Yeah, but, or Jabberjaw. Uh, my, I never really, I never really got into Jabberjaw. Is that got which, shark? You would think I would have loved it because it's a big shark, but no, I just it just completely passed me by. I don't know how that happened. Mm. Um, and my final note, also in all caps, is Sadie. Yeah, Sadie, stop being into Lars with five exclamation points <laughs> and an angry frowny face. Just stop. Actually, in two weeks, you're gonna have a real bad time. Uh. <laughs> She deserves better. She does deserve better. Uh, in two weeks, she will start seeing how much better things that she needs. Good. So don't worry. Or not two weeks, but two, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, my notes were just like, from the big fight all the way through the song, colon, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the... The the how the fuck did this episode the end of this episode get made? I who I don't, what was the original pitch like? What did they pitch that was worse than this so they could pitch this and get this through? Oh, I oh. oh god um I mean it's great I loved it but holy shit uh there's our horrifying episode for the fucking week I guess. It's so much. I I would hazard that Monster Buddies is also kind of horrifying. But uh, before we move into it, Shannon mm-hmm. in the Discord did have a question for us about Steven and the Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much of Steven Universe is about Steven getting let down by the adults in his life. Does Steven and the Stevens resonate with lonely kids and their imaginary friends? If you had an imaginary friend, this is the episode, or is this episode just extra horrifying for you? Uh, I don't know. I had a brother. Um, I don't really see 
I don't relate my experience with imaginary friends to Steven's experience with the Stevens because my my imaginary friends were always very distinct from myself because I did not care for myself growing up at all. I did not want to spend time with myself. So yeah, like, I don't I don't feel as though the extra Stevens are being positioned as imaginary friends in that sort of way. They're not there as a support system. They're there as like a literal reflection of Steven giving Steven like immersing Steven in him self and forcing him to deal with exclusively himself which uh you know on the surface is like oh yeah i would love to do things with myself until you realize oh shit i have to be with myself the whole time you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i feel like it's like like you were saying like i feel like it's a chance at steve like to explore more of the internality uh uh, of steven and his mindset and how he feels about himself and how he views himself which i feel is kind of kind of like the, the, the sort of mini arc of these three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did it did have some, like, low, like, uh, like, single kid vibes, it seemed like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, as the show's resident singleton, yeah, it definitely does have some, some only child vibes. Mm-hmm. But, like... At the very least, I myself cannot relate in that sort of experience. Right, right. Okay, cool. All right. Anything else about Steven and the Stevens? Wow, that shit was fucked up. Yeah. Rebecca? Yeah, one last holy fuck. Rebecca, you okay? Rebecca? Yeah. Rebecca, this is me from six years in the future. You good? <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> yeah. I think okay. I think I'm good. Let's let's move on. Yeah, let's let's erase that from our memory with episode 23 Monster Buddies. Um the official synopsis, Steven accidentally releases a monster from a gem bubble and attempts to tame its wild violent instincts. Um That's pretty on. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that did happen. Yeah. Uh, Steven and the gems are first shown fighting a big ice monster inside of uh, an ice lair. Um, apparently it's a Laramar. Uh, oh, it's Lair. that's Laramar? Um, uh, inside of Snowy Mountain, they're looking for a thing called the Shooting Star. Uh, Garnet, uh, punches the Laramar against the wall, causing, uh, the ice and the cave to start crumbling. Uh, as rocks begin to fall... On Amethyst, Garnet grabs Stephen, telling him that he she's going to send him back to the temple. Stephen is like, how are you going to do that? And then she bubbles Stephen uh, and warps him back to the temple. Pearl's really upset about this. Um, and uh, Stephen appears in the temple uh, next to Laramar uh, inside of a bubble. Uh, he breaks himself out, but in the process of breaking himself out, himself out he pops the bubble surrounding Centipedal from all the way back in the first episode of the show. Um, as Centipedal reforms, it's a pretty fucking sweet uh, reforming sequence. Uh, Steven is scared initially, but then when Centipedal fully reforms, uh, she's very tiny. She's like the size of a dog. Um, and Steven immediately goes into trying to make friends mode. Uh, he gets down there. He kind of convinces uh 
convinces her to come close right as the gyms show up and they're immediately fucking like full on aggro at it and Steven's like hey leave her the fuck alone uh gets between her and Garnet tells Garnet to like give him a chance to to try and tame her uh and Garnet's like oh all right you're you're too fucking cute kid uh so Pearl is like well if we're gonna do this we're gonna take some precautions and immediately chains the fucking dog to a rock outside um uh, Steven tries to begin to tame it, but the gyms are full on edge, which is causing, uh, Centipedal to be all full on edge. Steven's like, go back inside the house. Uh, once they're inside, he lets Centipedal go and they kind of start bonding. Steven, uh, discovers that Centipedal loves chips named Chaps, uh, with many <laughs> A's. Uh, so they start having some fun around that. Steven is throwing some chaps around when a seagull comes down, gets a fucking chip and bites his finger. Steven gets into a fight with a seagull and immediately Centipedal's like, nah, bitch, that's my human. And goes to fight a fucking seagull for Steven. Steven's enamored by Centipedal trying to protect him. Uh, he brings Centipedal back inside, showing the gems that he's tamed her by making seagull noises and making Centipedal spit acid. Um... Pearl's like, we can't go look for the shooting star now. Uh, we've got to deal with Steven and this thing. Uh, and Garnet's like, no, we can use Centipedal to help us, uh, basically. Um, so they take Centipedal to the mountain temple, or the mountain pass, the mountain cave, something. The, the big mountain where they were at the beginning of the episode. Uh, and Centipedal basically cuts a path through all of the unstable rocks by melting them away, as opposed to trying to break them, which would cause the temple to destabilize. Um, finally, they make their way to the center of the mountain where the shooting star is sitting. It's in a pool of water. Apparently, it's super, super hot. You cannot touch it with your bare skin. Um, Garnet goes to pick it up with her gauntlets, but having her gauntlets out scares Centipedal. Centipedal gets real worked up because the gems are starting to get worked up. Uh, Centipedal shoots acid everywhere, destabilizes the roof. Uh, starts to cause a cave-in. The gems are like, we fucking knew this would happen. Specifically, Pearl says this. Um, and she goes, and they start beating up Centipedal. Steven gets really, really upset. Um, Centipedal sort of gets the upper hand in the fight, and Steven steps between them, saying, like, no, you're not a monster. You're, like, you, you're better than this. I love you, Centipedal. And he, like, hugs her until she calms down. Uh, but it's too late. The The roof is destabilized. A giant stalag thing. Stalagmite? Stala stalactite? Because it you can tell because... Well, no. The way I learned was stalactites have a C in them and they come from the ceiling and stalagmites grow up from the ground because uh, they have a G in them. Okay, that's good. Um, yeah. So stalactite um, falls off the ceiling. Centipedal pushes Steven out of the way takes the hit for him get down mr president um she poofs uh steven cries and garnet's like listen your mom would be really proud of you because she tried to do the same thing but even her powers weren't able to heal her but you're you know and pearl kind of chimes in but you're different maybe maybe you can find a way and then steven forms a bubble around centipedal and sends her back to the temple and then also sends some chaps for her uh double star wipe the end uh, let me let me check something. Mm -hmm. Uh, one, two, <laughs> three, three times I have something about how Stephen is a good boy in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, my very first note is this caring boy in regards <laughs> to like uh, Nephrite having her arm fall off. Yeah. Uh, my first note uh, was about the background art again. Oh, yeah. Because it's so fucking good. But my second note is about how Stephen caring about the arm falling off is very adorable and very on brand because he is a good boy. Steven Universe best boy, best boy award to Steven Universe. Yes. Um, the whole cave-in sequence is pretty pretty solid. Uh, I wonder. I do wonder why Pearl gets so upset when when Garnet bubbles Steven. Like, does she not want him to go back to where all the other bubbles are? Is she afraid of what the bubbling process will do to him? Like, I don't know. My, she seems like really upset about the whole thing. My read was. My read was the uh, the second one, like, because he's half human, there's no telling what the bubbling process would do to him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because God only knows what happens in, like, you know, the the weird dimensional hyperspace that the bubbles travel through that could harm a poor human's genetic code, so. That's true. Very true. Um... The I feel like there's so much good sh- like good fucking foreshadowing right here because we're coming up to like having the big reveal about what's going on with the corrupted gems and everything or the fact mm-hmm. that the gems are in fact corrupted gems. Um, mm-hmm. All of the monsters are and like uh, centipedal's like fucking uh, transformation sequence is just fucking dope as fuck. It's very good. Um, I love how it like hints at it like with her like initially turning into like more of a like you know a humanoid shape and then growing real big and then getting tiny and small it's real good fucking mm. it's very good that that's how you do like some subtle foreshadowing there people yes uh cuteness rating of centipedal oh my gosh (laughs) it's so cute Um, I fucking love little baby centipedal. She's so adorable. Oh my gosh, yeah, they I like, want one. They did such a good job of just making that cute, that centipedal as cute as fuck. Like, yeah. she's got all kinds of neat little like tiny gestures that they animate in there too that are really good that make her very endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the the focus on like her hair, yeah, uh, puffing up. Like it's 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 really good. Um, the gyms are super fucking aggro when they come back. They just immediately mask off. Let's kill this thing. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think in some ways this just. I feel like it's meant to sharply delineate their worldview from Stevens because Stevens' worldview is clearly. Like everything is friend shape if friend shaped if you give it long enough. Mm-hmm. Uh whereas uh especially knowing that these these monsters are corrupted gems, like these these are enemies, period. But Steven doesn't have that kind of like steeped in sort of uh prejudice against centipedal. He just sees a cute little centipedal and is just like, oh, hey, buddy. Right, exactly. Like, he, he's me with every stray cat. Yeah. Uh, 
and it's just lay down on the ground come here (laughs) yeah and it's it's just nice that that's his first instinct it's it's great that his first response isn't necessarily violence compared to the the fact that garnet's especially Mm -hmm. is violence like we see garnet time and again like a be frustrated when the correct answer is not violence and be kind of default to it. Right. Um, like, cause like Garnet and Pearl in specific are like, you know, they're like, we forget, but they're like, they were soldiers, you know, mm-hmm. like they fought a fucking war here. And deep down, we know that they know that these were also old gyms. Some of them were bad guys. Some of them weren't bad guys. Some of them were their friends. Mm hmm. And, you know, that's got to be a fucked up thing to have to deal with for thousands of goddamn years. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lot. Yeah. And it makes um, sense that, like, their their first instinct would just be, like, fight because it's all they've known how to do for a long ass time. Yeah. Uh, I do also appreciate the fact that Steven kind of instinctively understands that centipedal is going to react with violence if she is shown violence Mm -hmm. like you know it's it it kind of goes back to the concept of like you know if somebody uh you know somebody pulls a weapon like that just escalates a situation that might not otherwise necessarily escalate into violence like steven understands that on a sort of instinctive level and you know him being able to bring things back down from that is just a really great thing to demonstrate to kids and like show like de-escalation is possible and like it's just nice it's good stuff yeah like adults adults could learn that too yeah de-escalation is an interesting skill that steven has that it comes up time and time and again and uh back to the bad take machine that is twitter i've stayed off of the hashtag for the last two weeks so Mm -hmm. good i'm nice and clean like that's what people always talk about it's like you know because like in game steven the yeah i feel like from the very beginning they're telling you like this isn't a show that's going to end in a big climactic battle between the good guy and the bad guy that's just not how this show is going to end Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to fist fight until, you know, the good... This isn't fucking Dragon Ball Z. This yeah. isn't Sailor Moon, you know? Like, the, the... They're telegraphing from the very start, like, Steven's going to talk his way out. He's going to de-escalate. He's going to talk his way out of a situation. He's going to find the common ground. He's going to talk to people. Like, yeah. it, it's a show that's very dedicated to the idea of not a punitive idea of, of like, right and wrong. Like, obviously, it has an idea of right and wrong. And what's presenting is, like, a non, like a, a primarily nonviolent solution is is what you should be working for. Like, obviously, some, you got, like, they never admonish the gems for, like, trying to fight the big monsters. Or when they get into a fight or they're attacked, it's never, like, no, we can't defend ourselves. They're not, like, fucking back half of goddamn Gundam wing dumb ideas about pacifism, you know? <sighs> um but, like, it, it decidedly builds an idea of, like, de-escalating, talking to people, finding common grounds, finding different ways to resolve situations that aren't just violence. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and I think I think that's something that, that also differentiates it from, like, you can see so much of Utena in the show's DNA, but at the end of the day, like, 
Utena was very cynical because the the main character tried to reach out to the force that ultimately was causing all of the problems and that force basically ignored her and so she just had to cut her losses and leave essentially right um at least that's my read on the ending as far as like what happens to utena yeah i feel but, like that's a pretty um, good end. it's it's fairly ambiguous but i feel like that's a pretty good yeah. read on what happens there yeah and so that's definitely not something that utena does and admittedly utena has a somewhat different target audience yeah and like some of the the messaging is quite a bit different but just because i it's such a huge part of what makes up steven universe's like cultural touchstones you know it's it's worth bringing that up in the ways that steven universe just like completely diverges from that right right like it's it's like they saw the kind of like took the ground, like, the framework of how to tell one of these, like, kind of, like, magical girl shoujo sort of, like, action shows. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, took that framework that Utena set of doing it, like, in a high-minded way uh, of deconstructing ideas and tropes and then was, like, at the end, like, well, what if we just went, f- like, what if we just went, like, er- as earnest as we possibly can at the ideas of, like, these sorts of things like you know moving away from different like what we would classically define as like the the good guy bad guy structures let's move as full away as that from as we possibly can mm-hmm. uh do you think they named chaps uh they put the word chaps on the chips after zach did this read of the lines um absolutely <laughs> uh just because like so like in anime uh, you tend to have the animation done first and then you read the lines to dub to the animation. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, with American animation, it's typically the reverse. So yeah, right. I think, well, technically, I think, I think anime is the same, but like we're talking, when we're talking about like dubbing into different languages, I'm pretty sure you still like, they no, do the no, same no. process. Mm-mm. They don't? Mm-mm. Oh, at least not in like the, the mid to late nineties. They didn't oh. like things may have changed. Uh, but back when I was like a complete and total weeaboo, mm-hmm. uh, no, they would do the animation first and then dub the lines over to it. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. Yep. That's, uh, that's one of the reasons why there's, uh, aside from like cost saving reasons, mm-hmm. that's, uh, one of the other reasons why mouth movement is so limited, uh, in anime mm-hmm. because like the lines haven't been recorded yet so they just kind of like vaguely gesture at the the sort of movement the mouth should be making uh but it's up to the actors to make it make sense interesting uh, much much the way that dub actors uh have to as well but yeah nice um the the entire little air quotes training sequence for centipedal yeah training oh my goodness centipedal is roughly as well trained as lion is yeah (laughs) um it's really good though i like the seagull fight like yo fuck Mm -hmm. the seagull that it definitely has the energy of your dog trying to fight a seagull um Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the 
the introducing uh, Centipedal's powers to the team. I, the little joke of, like, the Pearl <laughs> picture getting madder as it melts was great. Yes. Oh, man. Also, there's some good yeah. there's some good visual gags in this episode. Yeah. Also, where did Amethyst learn Spanish? <laughs> where did she become a lucha wrestler? Like maybe she learned Spanish from watching like actual lucha wrestling. It's true. She's got some fucking Chavo Guerrero fucking tape trader tapes. She called oh Dave God. Meltzer. Dave, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um uh, also, much like Centipedal, I am also motivated by chips. <laughs> See, I'm not a big chip person. I don't eat a whole lot of chips. Oh, dude, Costco has these gigantic uh, bags of, like, this cheese medley that's, like, Sun Chips, <laughs> Doritos, Cheetos, and for some random unknown reason, pretzels. Hmm. They're really good. The only, like, I don't, sometimes I'll eat some barbecue chips. I'll get me a good barbecue chip occasionally. Um... Though I do like crackers, like somebody on the the break room table, there was like a box of Cheez-Its, white cheddar Cheez-Its sitting on the box at the table at work today. And I'm like, I found somebody. I'm like, hey, what's with the food? That's not because, you know, I haven't been working that there. I've been there for a while, but not for you know a long time. I'm like, hey, what's with the food that's on the break table? Is it like up for grabs? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, cool, I'm about to go mess up a whole box of Cheez-Its. And then I proceeded to mess up a whole box of white cheddar Cheez-Its. Oh, white cheddar Cheez-Its are so good. And I didn't, I've actually not had the white cheddar ones till today, and I didn't realize they tasted basically exactly like white cheddar popcorn, except they're Cheez-Its, which makes them infinitely better, because I'm not a huge fan of yeah. popcorn either. What? So. It's just Cheez-Its, Cheez-Its are heftier, so they, they feel better. Yeah. Like, popcorn is popcorn. It's mostly air. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I like having it sort of at the movie theater just because I need, I want, like, I want to consume salt and sugar at the movie th- movie theater. I need that. Um, yeah. But it could be, it could be a bag full of, like, just packing peanuts covered in butter salt, and I'd probably still just eat it at the same veracity. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> So I guess moving on back to the episode, uh, yeah. I like the 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 montage of like Centipedal going through this mountain. It gave me a lot of like interesting vibes of like the Moon Goddess Temple. Yes, yes. Yeah, it, it's kind of like that, but it evolved where like Steven's now more part of the team. The st- gems aren't really like they're not discouraging him, but they're not trying to like build him up as much because like they know he can handle his shit. And also Pearl's kind of mad about the whole situation. But I think it's it's all good. Uh, I love the weird like Pearl being very interested in the idea of it melting flesh, the shooting star. I mean, so that's fun. I- I loved the gag where Garnet is almost too thick to pass through the tunnel at the end. <laughs> like that's that was just I I loved it. It was real good. Um the um so when Centipedal starts having like her her sort of like panic attack looking thing mm-hmm. um it I really liked this because the gems don't do anything to Centipedal that we haven't seen them do to other monsters previously mm-hmm. and just feels so much more visceral. And I think it's doing a good job of trying to, like, get us to recontextualize what the gem fight, like, what the fights with the monsters are and what they kind of mean or what they're going to mean moving yeah. forward. 
yeah, absolutely. Like it, it was heartbreaking. And I think part of the reason why it was so heartbreaking is because you had the added level of Steven basically losing his shit, trying to like defend centipedal. Um, and you're right. It just, it does kind of like recontextualize everything because this could, this could have been any one of the monsters that they fought up until this point. Yeah, it could have been literally any one of them. Like, Centipedal's not any different from, like, the the sand monster or pufferfish or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, like, really fucking just real goddamn rough. Uh, Steven just, like, hugging Centipedal till she calms down while his whole back is burned with fucking acid. It's like, the good yeah. boy is here. He's the best boy. His superpower is he's the best. <laughs> yeah. His his superpower his superpower is very good hugs. It's true. Uh, um, I love when Centipedal pushes him. It's all slow mo, and then like Garnet just kind of casually catches. Him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Although I was too emotionally distraught over Centipedal in general <laughs> to really uh, enjoy that moment. I think my I, I wrote in all caps centipedal no and I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen O's. <laughs> uh sick. And then my last note mm-hmm. for the episode was in all caps the chips and a sobbing emoji. <laughs> That's basically the vibe. Um, yeah. Man, I wish you could make emojis episode titles. Oh my god. That that would be the episode title if I could put the sobbing emoji in there. Yeah. Um, man, good episode. I feel like it, it so sets good. like I feel like it sets the stage for a lot of shit that's going to be coming in the next three episodes that we recover. Um, or particularly the next two, because technically we're going to be covering three episodes. We're going to be covering like. Um, uh, Mirror Jim, Ocean Jim, and House Guest, just because they all kind of run into each other. But technically, House Guest is the beginning or is the first episode, of the second half of season one. Um, they're delineated on the Wikipedia for some reason, but they, they all they tell a contiguous story. So we're just gonna cover all three. Um, okay. But uh, but it's good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> uh, it just like. Set, like it delves into the lore you get a really good understanding of steven uh it helps foreshadow some things that steven's going to do in those other episodes like his attitude and why he does those things it's just uh these are three banger fucking episodes for real they're really good yeah like I, we have again we haven't hit any bad episodes but these like you can really feel them finding that fucking storytelling groove right here yeah yeah, I mean, and I don't feel like there's, like, an ounce of waste in this episode either. No. I don't feel like there was in Steven and the Stevens either. Like, they're really making, like, they've been pretty good at, like, making an 11-minute, like, packing a lot of stuff into an 11-minute episode, and they're just getting better at that. Yeah. Because you could have told me Monster Buddies was, like, a a like a 20-minute episode, and I've been like, yeah, there's, there's 20 minutes worth of content in here. Yeah. 
Because it doesn't, exactly. they never feel short or like they're running up again. Like they pack a lot in there without it feeling very, very rushed or hurried. It's like the their ability to do that is very, very interesting. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anything else about Monster Buddies? Yes. Uh, Shannon also had a question about Monster Buddies. Oh, she did, didn't she? Yes. Yep. You should read this one. I'm. Give me uh, uh, where are our podcasts at? Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, there is so much about a kid bringing home a pet and not being able to sell it to their parent or to the adults in their life. Uh, is this show just legit normal kid things, but with the veneer of uh, space horror magic? Um, this does, this does have, like, the idea of, like, look at this dog I found. Yeah. Um, so, fun fact, I had this one dog named Bitsy, uh, was a stray dog. Stray dog found it at school one morning, uh, when I was in middle school. Dog was there when we showed up. And I'm like, look at this cute fucking dog to my mom. And I'm like, we should take this dog home, because we acquire, I acquire strays pretty regularly. And my mom's like, listen, we can't take the dog home, I've gotta go to work. If the dog's still here at the end of the school day, we'll take the dog home. You know, assuming the stray dog's gonna run off by the end of the school day. Well, it didn't. It fucking didn't. So now it was my dog. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom's like, well, I guess it's here. I did say that thing. I, like, opened the door. Dog got right in the car. Uh, So there we go. That's how I acquired one of my dogs. Yeah, I... (sighs) I genuinely do think that a lot of the stuff that Steven deals with Mm -hmm. is by necessity normal kid stuff that just has a veneer of space magic horror. Right. uh, Slathered on top. I I think it's such a good – they do such a good job of selling that too. They have a good understanding – I don't know – to be perfectly honest, I don't know how – the writer's room handles like if they had a consultant or something like that but i feel like they get a really they get to the heart of like of things and feelings and emotions and situations that kids experience around steven's age and they distill them so well and they wrap them in a package that's really easy for the kids to consume without mm-hmm. without it being like meaningless like they wrap it in a like you know very complex package to be able to sell it to them so they're they're not getting they're teaching kids lessons without moralizing to them uh of giving like actually entertaining them actually educating them like letting them see themselves in characters because i i can imagine you know kids see themselves in steven like steven is a very (laughs) relatable character with like who has real flaws and is not a you know perfect i mean he's the best boy but he's not perfect and that's what makes him the best boy uh and it's like i i i need to look into like what their writing process was because i feel like they nail like the experiences of a kid very very well yeah and they i think in slathering on the space magic horror that despite kind of like putting it in the remove of fantasy the way that they do that just drives home the fact that a lot of these are at least for the target audience of like english speakers in america um a lot of these are somewhat universal experiences right um 
So. Yeah. Like, so yeah, Steven Universe is just a slice of slice of life anime, uh, but it's like Tenchi Muyo, the slice of life anime. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's a lot like Tenchi Muyo. It's not like, why did I say that? That's not a true statement. <laughs> it's not even remotely like Tenchi Muyo. <laughs> I'm like, because in my head, I'm like, well, there's like one kid and like one little boy, like one boy and then like a bunch of girls. And then I remembered what Tenchi Muyo was like the second after I had that thought. And I'm like, no, what the fuck is wrong oh with me? God. I'm a complete fucking moron. <laughs> Don't listen to me. Unsubscribe from our podcast right now. <laughs> Uh, all right anything else about uh about uh monster buddies so does that make centipetal uh rio oki yes okay yep okay (laughs) uh we're not gonna cast the rest of this no absolutely not no though i am i am doing it in my head i'm just not doing it out loud good (laughs) i know you're doing the same thing yeah. <laughs> we'll never speak of this again. Nope. Um, Yahoo anime rules about this, everybody. Um, <laughs> all right. Moving on to our next episode, Indirect Kiss, the 24th episode of Steven Universe, season one. Uh, the official synopsis. When Amethyst cracks her gemstone, Steven and the Crystal Gems go on a mission to heal her. That's more or less right. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't need the have the information these are pretty good these even even like even the fucking uh synopsises are bangers um so the episode begins with steve being carried in on the back of lion uh to the top of the temple to meet connie for a picnic uh connie notices that there's a fence up and that steven is also feeling very down uh she asks steven what's going on steven uh starts the story about the fence saying that amethyst was goofing around uh and then it kind of does the flashback to that happening. Uh, Amethyst is dancing around the edge of the edge of the cliff. And Steven's like, hey, Amethyst, don't. You're going to fall. I'm so sad. And Amethyst is like, listen, Steven, I'm not going to fall. And then immediately fucking falls. And she falls like square on a rock on top of her gym. Like you dropping your fucking cell phone in the parking lot. Like mm-hmm. just cracks that motherfucker. Um, Pearl and Amethyst come out. Uh, Pearl is very upset. Amethyst takes a look at her gym. Um, Pearl asks what's happening. Steven immediately rats out Amethyst. Um, And uh, Pearl's like, we got to do something about this. Uh, And Steven's like, and that's how the fence was built to Connie. And Connie's like, "Uh, what the fuck happened to Amethyst? And he's like, oh, I don't really want to talk about it. She's like, come on, please tell me. He's like, all right, if I'll tell you, but you have to let me wear your glasses. And she's like, well, you have to give me the rest of your juice box. And he's like, well, the rest of this juice box is mostly backwashed to deal. So he puts on her glasses and continues telling the story. Um, They talk about how um, Amethyst needs to get healed but they can't really do that without Rose. Uh, Steven asks, wait, my mom can to heal people. And uh, Garnet uh, explains that Rose had tears that could heal gems, uh, or I think could heal things in general. Um, and so Steven tries to cry, but he can't, declaring that he's too tough. <laughs> Pearl uh, puts him immediately on blast, talking about how he just cried about snakes slightly earlier today. <laughs> uh, and so they decide to go to Rose's fountain. It's a fountain that I guess 
overflows with the lacrimal essence of Stephen's mother. Um, they go to the fountain, uh, but it's covered in brambles. Pearl is having a panic attack about this whole situation. Uh, they're trying to solve this while uh, Amethyst, her gym condition has gotten worse. She's now speaking backwards. Um, while Garnet and Pearl are trying to find a way over to the fountain, uh, Amethyst is trying to explain to Steven, like, maybe if you get hurt, like you hurt yourself, you can cry and we can get tears that way. So Steven tries to get um, pricked by one of these brambles, but the brambles seemingly are alive and try to attack Steven. Amethyst uh, saves him, uh, but in the process, she exacerbates her crack uh, and her f head becomes a foot and her foot becomes a head. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Garnet punches away to the uh, fountain. They find the fountain, which is a big statue of Rose, uh, but it's also covered in brambles. Um, Amethyst's situation is getting worse uh, to where that she, it, you know, she's all like stretched out and lanky. Steven is trying to tell uh, Garnet and Pearl that he can help, but they're very dismissive. They're very worried about Amethyst and tired and everything's so bad right now. Um, so they're like, stay with Amethyst, we're gonna go and try and solve this problem. Uh, Steven kinda has a heart-to-heart -heart with the Statue of Rose about, like, I wish that I knew any, I knew you even a little bit so I, this place could make me sad. Like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this place because I don't know you well enough to have nostalgia or sad feelings about not having you here. Um, meanwhile, all the fucking bushes start attacking. Um... Amethyst and Stephen defend themselves from the bushes. Uh, they roll down into the bottom of this fountain with all the bushes uh, crowding around at the top. Uh, Stephen gets very worked up about how he's going to lose Amethyst. Uh, Amethyst tries to comfort him, and finally Stephen cries, a single tear dropping onto Amethyst's gym, and then it does fuck all. <laughs> uh, but the uh, fountain does start immediately flowing over with tears. Uh, it douses Stephen and Amethyst. Uh, it overflows into the garden uh basically pushing back all of the all of the brambles turning them into flowers uh steven's like look i heal i like my crying activated the fountain and and pearl and Am or garnet are like well pretty sure we did that uh and then pearl says oh steven you don't have any uh real magical powers and we don't want to have anything to do with you and connie's like she didn't say that. And Steven's like, no, but it felt like that. And then he basically kind of goes on about how, like, if he doesn't have any powers like his mom, he's not going to be able to hang out with the Crystal Gems. Connie comforts him. He's like, listen, even if you don't have powers, I'm still going to be here for you. Uh, they get real close. It very much seems like they're going to kiss. And then Connie gets a headache and she realizes it's her glasses that she and Steven had traded earlier in the episode back. Uh... And it turns out that Steven doesn't have healing tears. He has healing spit. The backwash from the durian fruit juice box uh, healed her. And he runs off to go tell the gems. Connie's like, what the fuck am I going to do? And she like pops the lenses out of her glasses, puts them back on. Uh, star wipe the end. Uh, yeah. Um... Honestly, like, the very first note I had um, was about Stephen and Amethyst, uh, because Amethyst teasing him about, oh, do you care about me? And Stephen's like, yes. 
It was just a really cute moment. It's true. It was like my second note was, gosh, this good boy, and then followed by mad older sibling vibes, and I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, Like, they have such a really cute relationship. Yeah, it's very good. I love Amethyst. Like, listen, Steven, I love, like, I know it's a, it's a, it's not like an unforeseeable joke, but just like the, the crack fall, like the floor falling out from under her and her falling being like, ah, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, oh, go on. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, like, when the crack happens and everything, I wonder, I I do wonder why Amethyst is playing it down as, like, such a big, like, such a minor deal when she has to know it's a big fucking deal, right? Um, I mean, I, so, I want to talk about that later okay when amethyst symptoms get worse okay because my answer to that question ties into a big note i have later on so okay um well we shall get to that later Uh, spoiler alert it has something to do with dysphoria (laughs) so okay good 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 um Steven immediately ratting out Amethyst, like you said, mm-hmm. is so good. Like, not even just from a, t- a storytelling perspective, but it's so nice to see something that's like, if some if shit hits the fan, you need to... Tell an adult. Tell, tell an adult. But, like, because this is something where it's, like, in lesser shows would be considered, like, tattletaling. Right, uh, or the entire plot would be Amethyst convincing Steven that they don't need to tell an adult and it becomes a whole fucking thing, right? Yeah, and it's just, it's a non-issue, and while it's completely unrealistic to expect uh, all adults to actually be capable of A, being trustworthy with information about somebody getting hurt, and B, like being capable of dealing with it, it's still just so nice to see Steven continue to not hide shit like this. Right, exactly. Um like he's he's such a good boy and he understands that it's more important to fix these things than to worry about like whose reputation is going to be, you know, thrown out because of it. Right. And like yeah, sure, Pearl admonishes Amethyst slightly, but then immediately moves into, like, all right, we've got to get Amethyst fixed mode, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the little interact, the little interludes between Connie and Steven are also adorable. They really are, because, like, uh, Connie not being able to see shit is just a complete mood. Right, but Although also I wanting have- to wear your friend's glasses is a complete mood, too. <laughs> I did have a question. Mm-hmm. What, because, like, Connie's family is Indian, right? I believe so. I'm don't I could look okay. it up. Give me just a moment. Just because like that is so clearly dirt yeah, clearly Durian juice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like I don't where did the durian juice come from? Well, that's is it something Stephen's that Stephen's juice box. So, Steven's the one who got the durian fruit juice box. 
I mean, yeah, but like, you know, did we see who set up the picnic? Was it was it entirely set up by Steven or did Connie bring stuff? No, Connie or? was the one who brought the picnic picnic basket because Steven okay, got so, like loped in by Lion. OK, yeah. So Connie's the one who could have potentially physically transported the durian. Mm-hmm. And that makes more sense then. Yeah. Well, I think the durian fruit juice boxes show back up, too. Okay. Yeah, it's just an interesting choice because that's definitely not... That is definitely not something that most white kids would go for. Right. Right off the bat, like... For sure. Also, don't know if it even exists. (laughs) I, I don't know. I just know I haven't been brave enough to try durian uh, because the the smell is not something that I find appealing. So it's not that bad. But who knows? Yeah, I mean it's not that bad. Um, eh. But yeah, like their interactions, super adorable. So uh, cute! Oh my gosh, I love Connie so much. It's true. I love their interactions. They're so good. Uh, they. Like, so, um, so, uh, so kind of going beyond that when Garnet, <laughs> I have here when Garnet starts talking about, like, Rose and her powers and everything, I wrote down here, Laura's here, baby! <laughs> <laughs> quickly, so, fo- quickly followed by, Utena is here, baby! <laughs> yeah. So, why the fuck does Rose have a temple of herself? It's Just not a temple, it's a big like, fountain. Or... Why does she have a fountain of herself? One would assume she didn't build it. Somebody else built it. Looking at Pearl. Looking directly at Pearl. Okay, yeah, that's... <laughs> that is that is fair. The way that uh, Pearl talked about uh, the lacrimal essence. Uh, wow, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, I mean, probably the temple was built by Bismuth, who is a character we'll see way later down the line. Um, mm. but like, you know, the, it's probably built by the crystal gems, like rebel force, uh, you mm-hmm. know, cause having a big, having a big healing fountain does seem very useful. Yes. So, but that doesn't mean that it has to have like a statue of Rose in it. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just my own self-loathing talking, but I really, if I had a healing fountain that I powered somehow, I wouldn't want to have a statue of myself in the middle of it. I don't know if Rose would have wanted to have a statue of herself in the middle of it, so that's why I don't think that Rose built it herself. Like, probably somebody built it, and then Rose is like, oh, thanks, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Man, that that little Utena Rose jump forward thing from Steven's like, son of a bitch, you nerds. <laughs> yeah. I did also find it really interesting the way that Pearl talked about the the uh, briars as pathetic clinging things to be interesting because I can't help but think that she was also talking about herself. Oh, she is. Pearl is a thousand percent talking about herself in that in that situation. And it is fucking rough as somebody with future knowledge about how just because like my note about that um is literally jesus pearl (laughs) (laughs) um i also admonished pearl for putting me on blast about crying about snakes uh Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I feel like in yeah. the year of our Lord 2020, after TikTok exists, uh, where you cry about small animals on a media platform, that that joke lands a lot funnier. Yes. Yeah, that is that is a joke that has definitely aged very well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Pearl, Pearl's whole panic and unease and everything like going on in this temple is definitely like her projecting like her feelings for Rose and her feelings about herself without Rose and everything like way onto herself. Like Pearl is way into her own head in the background of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went ahead and I looked up all of the things that Amethyst says uh, backwards. Oh boy. And basically what she's saying, uh, is like, she's doing honestly a lot of like reassuring Steven that she's okay. It's going to be okay. We're talking about like, Hey, there's something behind you. That sort of shit. Mm-hmm. So not nothing gra- yeah. earth shattering here. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the, varying effects of the gem cracking mm-hmm. are also kind of horrifying true um they are not as horrifying as steven and the stevens but it's it's still a lot like that's a lot of body horror for a kid's show to be offloading onto its audience yeah this would be our main source of horror this three episodes of steven and the stevens were not in this lot yes <laughs> it's gonna be very hard to beat steven and the stevens though going forward <laughs> yes um, Jesus, like, uh, like the other thing I wrote down here is like these people cannot get their shit together. Like, Garnet is obviously also just as upset about this whole situation as Pearl. Like, mm-hmm. it's real easy to see that she is just like not handling the whole thing well. Amethyst is desperately trying to like comfort the kid while the other two are having low key panic attacks. Um, mm-hmm. Stevens. A uh, heartbreaking talk to a statue. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like our yeah, first. Yeah, Garnet. Oh, go on, sorry. Garnet punching the rock and saying, I needed that mm-hmm. is just, again, just. I love how upset Garnet gets when she can't resolve an, a situation through punch. Mm-hmm. Or she doesn't it's feel in control a, of the situation, I think. Yeah. Um, it's just it's such a good piece of characterization yeah and it's like really subtle and you'll miss it if you're not really paying attention for it i feel like mm-hmm. um but like our first real exploration of like what steven feels like in his relationship to his mom and her legacy and everything is like wow we're just coming out of the fucking gate swinging on this huh mm-hmm. uh um I do want to backtrack a little because this is where I had my note about Amethyst. Yeah, go for it. Um, with the way that she interacts with Stephen, especially during like all of the the rose or rose shrubbery descending upon them, and um, the way that she seems to be keeping her calm, I think that it it feeds back into my pet theory about like amethyst being non-binary and not necessarily having the best relationship with her body um and i realized literally right now that it could also uh sort of be explained like if she has any sort of like chronic conditions like 
when you're dealing with dysphoria a bunch of the time, it's really easy to write off serious shit happening with your body as just being like, eh, I'll deal with that later. Um, so that's why I think that, yeah, she may have known that the gym crack was a big deal, but also it's just like, eh, it's just the gym equivalent of a meat suit. I don't really care about it that much. And like, you know, it's shitty anyway, so like I'll deal with it later. Right. That's an interesting take. And, and it it feels like Amethyst trying to especially like once they get to the actual temple or sanctum or whatever the fuck the fountain. Um it certainly feels like Amethyst is like less cons like far less concerned about herself and more about trying to like hold the fucking fort down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, her priorities, just like uh, Pearl's and Garnet's priorities, are pretty much always around, like, Steven's safety and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, it's just the way that she's animated, just she does not seem uncomfortable. She seems, like, like she seems kind of playful almost throughout the entire episode with, like, all of the random things that are happening to her. Um Especially with, like, you know, she was, like, dribbling a part of her body when she had the noodley limbs. Yeah. Like, so. she's obviously a little bit frustrated because she's, like, size real heavy when her foot and her head switch places. Also, I really love the visual gag of the foot looking over when Garnet and Pearl also look over at something. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was so good. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I don't know, like... If I weren't already building a case in my head for Amethyst being to being non-binary, like I think this would at least give me pause and be like, "Huh, I wonder if she has some dysphoria issues." That's a really interesting read. I think, like, let's hold on. I think that's a good thing to hold on to, uh, especially going forward, because um, I feel like we'll get maybe get some more stuff about like decide i would like to to explore this read decidedly more because obviously it's not one that that i necessarily hold uh, i don't necessarily like mm -hmm. yeah, obviously i don't have that same sort of experience um yeah you know uh gender is weird but i haven't had that sort level of dysphoria experience um yeah so uh but yeah i would like to to see more of that particular read as we get more like amethyst spotlight sort of episodes um let's see uh, i do think that it's kind of interesting mm -hmm. that because like with uh rose's room mm -hmm. we had the the whale kind of like not physically reaching out to steven because it had little short stubby uh flippers mm -hmm. but you know, metaphorically reaching out to Steven. Yeah, I was um, going to ask you about the, the rose statue reaching down for Steven. Yeah. yeah, and now that we, you know, now that we've seen this, that kind of actually makes me think that, like, there may be some part of Rose that's, like, still a part of her gym in Steven, like, however small mm. that is manifesting these things, rather than it having just been a one-off thing in her room. Yeah, because I honestly forgot about this part. 
And hell, I forgot about the whale having Rose's voice. Like, going back through this and kind of watching it with that more critical eye has really revealed a lot more of these, like, small details. I think that's something to hold on to thinking about when we get to Lion 3 straight to video. Because mm -hmm. I think some more of those ideas are kind of brought to the for forefront on that episode. Um, so, uh... This fucking, like, the end of this episode is, like, this is just a heart, this is a fucking tearjerker is what this goddamn episode is. Like, yeah, such good little zoom-in details of Steven being nervous and scared about his place on the team and not living up to his mom's legacy. Connie doing her best to be like, hey, listen, being a normal person is cool. Like, it's fine. You can be a normal person, my dude. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely about to kiss him. It was very cute. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, very, very cute. Uh, very interest, like, very fun way of, uh, of, of playing with the title of the episode. Uh, mm -hmm. the, what do you think? I really, like, we'll, 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 we'll swing back around. I love the, the ending shot is on Connie and not on Steven. Mm -hmm. Like, it definitely is like, hey, we're going to do some shit here. Like, this is the start of a fucking thing, is what that feels like to me. Yeah. Um, I noticed that her lenses are portrayed as being kind of, like, pink-tinted, mm -hmm. uh, and then she pops them out. Uh, so, like, that has some fairly like, straightforward connotations about, you know, rose-tinted rose glasses and stuff like mm -hmm. that, which, you know, also just has, like, a whole double meeting with rose quartz and everything. But I thought that was very interesting about how, like, maybe there's going to be this attitude shift in Connie yeah. after this. Yeah, like, because, like, um, like, she's talking about, like, isn't it, it's totally fine to be a normal person, and then this happens to her, and you can kind of see her resolving, like, well, maybe, maybe I'm the one... Maybe I'm taking that advice wrong. Like, maybe mm -hmm. I can just be part of this, you know? All this yeah. magic shit keeps happening to me, too. So. I did write down uh, Connie saying, what am I going to tell my optometrist? Connie, there are more important things afoot here, don't you think? No. <laughs> uh, but I love what this tells us about Connie's character and what her priorities are and honestly like how grounded she is in a weird sort of way because her thought isn't about like medical miracles or anything like that it's just an incredibly I don't want to use the word mundane because I don't want it to sound like I'm talking down about like Connie and her life experience and where she comes from but you know, it's it's very mundane. It's it's very just like, oh shit, like this thing has upended a major part of my life. What am I, you know, what am I going to do about it in the day-to-day -day sort of sense? Right, exactly. Like Connie is like, holy shit, this is realizes the knock-on effects that this is going to have with every other section of her life and then pretty much resolves to be like i will not tell anybody <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh it's very it's good ve it's very very fucking good um once again want to say god the art in this episode so good it's 
very good. This whole show is just beautiful fucking hell. Uh, damn. Okay. Anything else about Indirect Kiss? Um. No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us. Ow! Oh, a little bit. Motherfucker. A little bit bite you again? Yes, but like hard this time. Why why are you so bitey a little bit? Oh no. Put him on the microphone. Little bit, come up yeah. here and tell the world what you think. Why are you biting August? He's just staring at me. Mm. Uh okay, so next time we're going to be hitting the midpoint of season one. Mirror Jim ocean gym and then house guest uh we are about to get deep in the fucking lore we're about to get goddamn knee deep in this shit um it's gonna be good it's gonna be real fucking good i cannot wait we're gonna finally meet lapis uh it's gonna be a crazy good time uh so we should be in november and december we'll be recording with a few more guests from uh the crystal them's uh, drag show so that's fun um by the time you're hearing this we'll already have uh done this episode but for the rest of october august and i are playing some different games on our monday stream uh we're taking a break from bioshock because bioshock 2 almost broke me as a person uh because that game was so fucking bad don't play bioshock it was 2. so bad um so should be an interesting uh should be a very interesting uh the rest of october and then we'll be going into bioshock infinite um check out our other shows if you're not already listening to them i'm on the room where it happened uh we're an actual play podcast uh both august and i are on dumb kids playing heroes uh that's also an actual play podcast uh we'll we're rapidly approaching the end of our first season, and then we'll be taking a break for a little while until the new year. Um, let's see. August, what are your other things? Uh, I am on uh, Follow the Leader, which is also an actual play podcast. Like, we we like those good, good tabletop role-playing games all up in here. Um, and uh, my partner and I I think it will be this out drops yeah. on the 14th, yes. right? Yeah. So today you can also check out my partner and I talking about a colorful kids cartoon, except that one involves horses uh, and less cleverly handled uh, emotional lessons <laughs> uh, called Equestria Gaze. Uh, and you can find Equestria Gaze on Twitter because iTunes won't let you submit uh, to the feed until after you have at least one episode on the feed. So I'll be doing that probably as you are listening to this. So yeah, that's why we did check a, that out. That's why I did like a weird episode zero for this show. Oh, yeah. yeah. I should have thought of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Um. So, yeah. Uh, come join us should be a good uh, time on all of our things check out our podcasting guild uh, standing stones you can find us 
uh, on Twitter at Stones underscore Standing. Check out our Twitch page, Standing Stones Prod. That's where you can find August and I doing our live streams. Uh, but also, we may be doing some spooky October stuff if schedules work out <laughs> um, or happen at all. Uh, it will be a good time. Uh, just come check us out. We'll all chill. We'll have some fun times. Come talk to us at our Discord. Uh, if you want to be like Shannon and ask us questions during the episodes, uh, we either at, we put out an all call on both our Twitter and on our Discord. You find the link to our Discord down below. We've got a great community. Come talk to us. Uh, we talk about all kinds of shit, not just Steven Universe and hell, not just our actual plays, uh, but we talk about um, media and food and science and memes, memes lots of memes uh so many memes yeah. so you know just just come just come chill with us. we've got a great community over there i'm very it's the thing i'm i'm the most proud of that we we've been able to get together for our our, our various projects so uh all righty well uh god jesus christ the weird rebel wilson cat appeared in the ad again on me <laughs> fucking hell well you read, uh, I read the, the, uh, sign off last week. Last okay, week, so. that's me. All right. Well, remember everybody, be like Cookie Cat and leave your family behind. Peace. Peace.